Welcome to the TESFE podcast with me, Sarah Simons. Joining me this week to have a whip through the magazine and chat about all things FE is Dr. Simon Reddy. Welcome, Simon. Hello, it's great to be on today. Tell us what you get up to in this FE business. Well, in FE, I'll tell you what, when I left school when I was 16, I went straight into FE and I did A-levels in building construction. By the age of 18, I couldn't get a job, so I ended up labouring on building sites. That led to an apprenticeship in plumbing, and I spent four years at college getting my uh, plumbing qualifications. And virtually straight after that, around about the ages 24, 25, I ended up teaching in further education. I've been in further education as a teacher part-time for about 25 years. And during the day, I used to go out doing the plumbing, and in the evenings, I'd do the teaching. Yeah. And then round about 15 years ago, I was really concerned about the plumbing qualifications. I, I, I didn't think they were very good. So I went back to college. I got a degree and a master's degree. And then I did a PhD in education that focused on vocational learning. Right. What I did, I went into three further education colleges and I went into five different workplaces. And what I observed in college was... I observed full-time plumbing courses and then I compared them with apprenticeships where the students do four days a week at work and one day a week in college. Mm. I interviewed the college lecturers and the students and I analysed the data and I got some key findings out of it which are very relevant to today's Malou. Where can we see this? It's on free open access. Just put in Google Simon Reddy Apprenticeships and you'll be directed to the Exeter University website where there's a PDF file. That's brilliant. <laughs> right then, shall we crack on with this CRTS? Yeah. Uh, the first story that really caught my eye was the Halfon offers new insights on FE issues. And it's an article by Judith Doyle, who's the college principal of Gateshead College. Right. Firstly, she talks about Robert Halfon's speech and she says that he talked about employers who are crying out for skills in a whole range of different sectors from electricity, gas and water to construction, transport and manufacturing. And she says that he's absolutely right. However, it concerns me, really. I did a comparative education study in 2016. It was published in 2017 by the World Plumbing Council. I went to Hong Kong and I looked at two further education colleges. And in both of these massive colleges, uh, they were progressing high numbers of students straight into employment. The thing with Hong Kong is that they have a real skill shortage. They're building high-speed rail networks, skyscrapers, all sorts of infrastructure work going on in Hong Kong, and they really need students. Now, the two colleges that I looked at, there was an average of 95% progression rates from college to work, and that's what you get when you've got a skill shortage. In the UK, we're telling young people and adults that there are skill shortages but the evidence doesn't really stack up because when you look at the macro data, wages are going down and, and that's something that doesn't happen in a skill shortage. And we've got very poor progression rates from further education into employment and that's a big issue. One more thing on this article that I found interesting as well uh, was the old saying of the dual professionals. This was the idea that teachers are professional teachers and, you know, they have yeah. pedagogical expertise yeah. as well as professionals in yeah. what they teach. But the problem is with further education, 
it isn't really a professional culture. I think that the staff are really highly qualified. Do you know that the IPPR, the Institute for Public Policy Research, has just published a paper, and there's a sentence in that report that says that they found that a lot of the further education staff uh, weren't actually qualified in the industries that they were teaching. For the first time ever, it seems now that further education colleges are actually being questioned in terms of their, the experience and knowledge and the qualifications of the staff. And, and what I found in my study about these dual professionals is that they didn't actually exist in further education. And this is because, first of all, most of the teaching staff didn't want to be part of a professional body anyway because there isn't that professional culture there. It's an occupational culture. There wasn't one teacher in the three colleges that I went to that was a member of a professional body to do with plumbing, not one. Do you think that's because they view themselves more as teachers than plumbers? If it, you're a true it, dual professional, then maybe you've got two part-time jobs, one as a teacher and one as a whatever else you do. I've got to be careful here because... When I did my study, I tell you, it was a wake-up call because I saw so many good teachers. I actually realised I weren't a very good teacher myself. So I don't think there's a problem in further education with teaching. I think the standards are very, very high. But it's not a professional culture. And maybe this is the post-thatcher de-skilling of the working classes. There's been no status in working-class occupations for over 30 years. Margaret Thatcher took away the, the, the status of master. As in the, the master plumber, class. master builder. Yeah, yeah. These were the titles that instilled a sense of professional identity. And I really want these to come back. Yeah. And this is the type of thing that would bring the professional culture back to further education. I think that the sector is full of brilliant teachers, but they're not professionals. There was a report published last week, and I can't remember who did it, but over 60% or something like that don't do any CPD at yeah. all. That 60% is the culture of what happens in further education. And when you look at what teachers actually do, some teachers are teaching 30 hours a week. Yeah. Now, when I first started, I was teaching 21 hours a week and I got two hours remission for doing a cert ed and I got two hours remission for doing our, the environmental officer for the college. And I used to teach 18 hours full time. Yeah. Now, this is what we've got to get back to. We've had a cheap further education for the last 20 years. The new technical qualifications will not continue the way it's been in the past. We're looking at major changes, not only in the qualifications, but also in the roles of teachers. And that kind of leads us nicely into the next article. So the editorial is by Julia Belgatai, and the idea is that most people who work in further education would like to think of themselves and the institutions they work in as open, tolerant and inclusive. But it would seem that we're not perhaps as inclusive as we think we are. Julia says, it was, to be honest, a surprise to me to see that only one FE college made the top 100 in Stonewall's Workplace Equality Index, which is to do with LGBT inclusion in the workplace. That, that is a really sad reflection on the further education sector. I think this issue is down to a lot of ignorance in many ways. E even teachers like me, you know, that have long in the tooth been in FE for years... You know, it's not been on the radar for us. A lot of stuff that we've done in diversity training has been based on gender and race, I think. 
Yeah. To now bring in this LGBT is really important. I think that this is all about making students feel welcome. I'll, I'll give you an example. Uh, you know, I teach in a very uh, sexist, racist, male-dominated, white occupation, plumbing. It's probably the worst occupation you can have for diversity. I was, I was at a parliamentary meeting the other week uh, for gas courses, and uh, I was sat around a table with 20-odd blokes, not even a single woman on the committee. And to the credit of Barry Shearman, the minister, and Luke Pollard, who sat in on that parliamentary meeting, Barry Shearman pulled it up straight away at the beginning and said, look, you know, you lads have got a long way to go when it comes to diversity. We've got a mountain to climb in the, in the plumbing industry. Well... All of these things start in further education. It's a place where we can open up young people's minds to different ideas and different ways of being. This also fits into the old liberal studies category. Yeah. And remember, the, the mechanics institutes of the 19th century, bricklayers and carpenters were taught philosophy. And this went right up to the 1970s. The larger piece is by George Ryan, and the headline is Colleges are put in the shade when it comes to equality, with only one college making Stonewall's top 100 LGBT employers list, despite a sizeable showing for HA. The only FE college to be selected is Newham College. This compares with 14 universities. The London College is seen as a trailblazer for inclusivity, and it's featured on the list for seven of the past ten yeah. years. You know, one in a hundred is just absolutely not good enough. No. In my experience working, uh, I don't know, about five colleges, I felt increasingly that, you know, yeah. in terms of gender, race, sexuality, some have felt so inclusive that the push yeah. for it almost seems redundant. That is probably because there's been massive, massive push for it over the years. Or it could be that I'm not seeing it from the perspective of a 16-year-old who is feeling very vulnerable. You know, when young people, when they get to the college, they want to feel welcome and yeah. they want to feel safe. And I think that this is what we do in further education really well. The reason that you've seen this change is there's old-timers like myself who, you know, over the years I, I've been brought up in a white working class backgrounds. It's been a massive learning curve for me in terms of uh, sexism, racism. My supervisors would howl out loud, my PhD supervisors, at some of the things that I used to come out with. And I'm ashamed. I'm very ashamed now when I look back that I was so ignorant. And I, I think that a lot of further education teachers, in many ways, are are shackled by their acculturation. You know, in, in many ways, they refer to this as unconscious racism and unconscious sexism, and we're all guilty of this. It, we need good friends to tell us. I were lucky. I had supervisors and my wife all my life to, you know, put me straight. But some people don't have that, and this is why, in further education, we've got to have an open dialogue about sexuality and about our existence. And I think this is where liberal studies would fit in really yeah. well yeah. Um, to vocational pathways. You know, there yeah. has to be something in there. And they, they, they should get a proper qualification for it as well. These types of subjects are very important. They should carry UCAS points. 
it's incredibly important that people are aware. Society is is about making everybody welcome, and I think that further education colleges have actually got this right. Yeah, uh, it's something they've done really well over the last thirty years, which leads us into something else that we're doing really well as well. Uh, which is Levels 4 and 5 Technical Training. This next piece is by Kirsty Lord, who's the Deputy Chief Executive of the Association of Colleges, and the title is The True Gold Standard for Levels 4 and 5 in FE. She's saying that FE is better placed than universities to continue leading the delivery of higher-level skills. She's right. We're we're talking here, higher national certificate, higher national diploma... Yeah. These are the oh, equivalent to foundation degrees. So they do level four and five in college and then they go to the university to do their final year. The beauty of this is that in a further education college, you get people like me that's been on the tools for 30 years that knows the job inside out, but I've also studied technically as well. So I operate at a professional level, but I'm teaching in further education. Uh, so the real value of people like me can be found in further education because there's a lot of guys in there with years and years of experience in the building industry. And when you get them teaching at degree level, they can really make the connections that students need to understand. So levels four and five, I think, are, are going to be the qualifications of the future. And there's evidence to support what I'm saying here. The actual return for an HNC is better than any other qualification, the financial return. Is it? Yeah, it is, yeah. It's the best qualification you can do. It's got the best financial return of anything. It's better than a PhD. It's better than a degree or a master's degree. There's a huge amount of value to be gained from levels four and five. And what I'd like to see in the future is really getting hold of... Uh, qualifications and sectors like plumbing and construction and, and really going professional on these. So instead of being occupational, we're looking at a professional culture. And if we can introduce a professional culture in our trades, then I think that will flow through into further education and we'll get this professional culture developing over the next 20 years. Instead of imposing it on the further education sector, the actual professionalism uh, in the various occupations has got to emerge from the shop floor, really. Yeah. Let's move on to this final bit. Yeah, it's me going on about architecture and yeah. the, the building of colleges. I was listening to a speech at a conference about learning environments, and it's all about blooming glass boxes, and it does me head in. You know, I've, I know. T- I've taught in in glass boxes, and, f- and it's it's so distracting. I'm distracted, and I'm supposed to be the one keeping it together. You know, you feel like you're on display. The group aren't as open with each other. There isn't that sense of community there because they're aware that they're on display. <laughs> and that's before you start thinking about how many in the group have ADHD, how many have all sorts of other things that's going to make concentrating a a real challenge for them and to take away a resource i.e walls i don't see how it helps who thinks this is a good idea it it might come back to this idea of the open office they they call it the panopticon it was about the all-seeing office we've now got the all-seeing classroom and i loved it this uh what you wrote here about the distracted 60 year olds 
you know, when a, a group of other students walk past down the corridor and they're all up throwing things at the oh, windows and things. Because you're immersed in this environment, you know exactly, you know about further education. We're reading the stuff here that happens in further education and this is what happens. And with this article, I really agree with you. You know, all these architectural buildings, they are beautiful. There's something to be said for having a nice campus. However... When I went to these FE colleges, I was just gobsmacked by the lack of investment in the construction sector in, in all the FE colleges. Yeah. Now, not only in terms of some of these colleges didn't even have materials for the students to work with, but staff, teachers, didn't even have anywhere to have the lunch. One, one college I went to, there was something like 18 members of staff uh, in a room where, that should have had maybe a most of five yeah. Honestly, these teachers go into any construction department and quite often they're crammed together. However, there was one exception. There was one college where they had like a little cafe and a dining area for the staff. And I tell you what, there's the morale of the staff, the happiness of the college, the whole ethos of the construction sector there was totally different to the other colleges where we had members of staff that were eating their sandwiches who sat at their computer. Yeah. Of course, senior leadership teams will argue, we've got four restaurants in our college now. You know, actually, most members of staff can't afford to eat at the restaurants every day, you know. Yeah. I'm lucky if I can afford a couple of sandwiches from Sainsbury's, an orange and a drink, you know. All I want is a little room with some tables and windows where staff can go make a cup of tea, sit at the table or watch a bit of telly over lunchtime. You know, a communal space. What we've got is this obsession with glass. The think spaces. The yeah. idea of that just drives me bonkers. And it isn't just FE colleges. It's all sorts of businesses, universities, school. It, it feels like Emperor's <laughs> New Clothes. Do you know what I mean? That somebody at some point has gone, do you know, if we designate a space and paint it all white, that is going to be where people can think. What are you on about? Do you know when I do my best thinking? When I'm painting a wall. I'll, I'll get you around my house then. <laughs> get a couple of tins of painting for you. <laughs> Simon, thanks ever so much for chatting with me. I've really, really enjoyed it and I'm looking forward to reading your research. No problem. Absolutely delighted. This has been the TESFE podcast with Dr Simon Reddy and me, Sarah Simons. Join us again soon to catch up on the world of FE. Thanks for listening. <laughs>